What is the first thing that we do when a CRO, oh, when a CRO outbreak? That's, that would be the worst thing for the world if there was a CRO outbreak. Oh my God, that'd be the worst, like literal worst thing ever. I'd take the zombies. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to a spooky episode <laughs> of From A to B. I'm wearing a costume and I totally am spacing on the people's names. Yeah, I feel like the effect is best when you're not listening just through audio only. Shiva's dressed up as, uh, you got the dodgeball look going. <laughs> I'm just dressed as average Joe, I guess. I was expecting the shark today, honestly. I'm surprised you didn't whip it out. <laughs> I was trying, whip it out. I was trying to... <laughs> Not today. I was trying to wear it, but it requires, if you could believe it, it requires two people because there's a zip in the back. <laughs> it's huge. Get your dog to help you. Uh, and then on the other side, we have the devil herself on the podcast. Yeah. I think this is correlated with how much time you and I spend in the podcast. I just threw on a wrinkly t-shirt and Tracy took two hours to put her devil makeup on. <laughs> It's true. I got the like jewels, I got the eyeshadow. I'm just exposing to the whole world that I don't know how to do my makeup and I got my wig out of a bag. So <laughs> then you're ready for spooky season. I'm always ready. Like November, I'm going to be like, I'm ready for next year. Let's do this. I love it. I'll live for it. So we're going to do something a little bit different this episode. It's not going to be your traditional CRO learning episode, although we're probably going to talk about some fun things related to CROs. I wanted to pose this question to y'all, and I'd love to hear the community's response, but Tracy and I are going to explore today, can CROs survive a zombie apocalypse? Which we will explore a universe together, and then we will understand what are the behaviors that make us equipped, what are the behaviors that make us totally unequipped? How do we survive? Do we survive? Etc. I already know I'm the first to die. <laughs> Tracy's patient zero. She's the first zombie. <laughs> I will just be like, no, guys, I'm phoning it. I'm not doing this anymore. Bye. <laughs> In this universe that we're going to explore today, it's going to be a walking dead universe. Someone got infected with this disease. They're not mushroom zombies. It's not Last of Us zombies. Okay, so I need to get like bitten to become a zombie correct okay we're going to be fighting not only zombies but we're going to be fighting people for resources okay yes okay okay so it's like uh how is other people kind of situation okay right i don't see a reality in which i do survive this but uh we're, i'm gonna try my absolute best shiva <laughs> So let's jump into this. What is the first thing that we do when a CRO, oh, when a CRO outbreak, that's, that would be the worst thing for the world if there was a CRO outbreak. Oh my God, that'd be the worst, like literal worst thing ever. I'd take the zombies. I would honestly too, yeah. So in a zombie outbreak, what's the first thing that CROs are going to be doing? For me, it's going to be micro-analyzing all of their behavior, like looking at the behavior of the zombies and figuring out what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses, trying to understand what can we do to prevent ourselves from being bit. Or I guess maybe we don't even know, right? We don't know how we get infected in the outbreak. So what is the behavior? What turns us into zombies? How can we better protect ourselves? We're going to do nothing except a bunch of research up front. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to say. Well, actually, no. First thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to shit my pants. 
after I'm done shitting my pants, I'm going to look at these zombies and I'm going to be like, okay, where are they coming from? So I know I'm going to avoid this direction altogether. I'm going to look at them. I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, Mrs. Brian, my junior kindergarten teacher, what the hell are you doing in there? How did you turn into this zombie? Was this an airborne thing? Did someone bite the hell out of you? What do I have to avoid in order to not turn myself into one of these zombies? Those are two big questions that I have right away. What can we do to mitigate <laughs> risk mitigation? What are we going to do to mitigate our risk? in this situation because if we know we're in the epicenter of the outbreak we're gonna leave if we know this is not the epicenter and in fact we maybe haven't been hit yet <laughs> we might stay here and fortify our position yeah i'm like what would the mad scientist of the group be doing and the mad scientist of the group would be like asking all these questions and we'd probably be like that's so annoying why are you just asking all these questions we got to run like hell there's zombies coming at us but it's a huge first step know what situation you're in and like you said stop the bleeding like you can't stop bleeding unless you know where the bleed is happening and also you know, how bad it even is. Would we be copying our competitors? In what regard? So our competitors might literally be our neighbors, right? Are we going to be looking at our literal next door neighbors and being like, what are they doing? And this is actually, we just had the episode about copying competitors and we're like, we shouldn't copy, we should watch. I actually think this is the same thing. We should be watching what our neighbors are doing because they might be a little sussy. So trying to understand what are they doing because they might try to fuck us over. Also, they might have understood something that we might want to now say, okay, well, we're both fighting the same zombies here. So maybe we actually want to take some quick inspiration from them and try out what they're doing as well. I would still advise against doing that in this position in my comfy home office seat. I would say don't do that because you don't know where they're going. Maybe they actually like are running toward another horde of zombies. Right. But at the same time, I'm like, I know that in reality, I would probably just follow the herd because that's just the type of person I am. If I see everyone running in a specific direction, I'm probably going to do the same thing. Because what else do you have to do? Like we're not at the privilege of data points in something like this, which which is our muse. We need the research. We need the data. If we have no data available to us and we're just headless chickens trying to figure out what we can do, the best we could do is probably just like, all right, well, fuck it. If they're going to die, let's all die together. Or maybe that's the wrong thing to, you know, I'm talking myself out of this. Maybe that's the wrong thing to do because if they all die and you survive, <laughs> there's more resources for you. Ooh, I keep forgetting about the bit where other people are kind of battling for the same resources and it's funny because like CROs in our line of work we're constantly fighting for resources. So it yes, nothing changes. I... Nothing changes for us. We're fighting for resources internally for dev and design. Now we're just fighting for literal food. It's the same problem. <laughs> the more we talk about this, the more I'm like, okay, wait, am I already living the apocalypse? You're at... battle tested. You know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> you have to politic with people. You have to finagle. You have to be like, scratch my back. I scratch yours. Yeah. Give me some resources and I'll look at your heat maps. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. That's the thing is the first thing I can think of as a skill set that would maybe come in handy here in a zombie apocalypse is persuasion and influence. It's something that we have to work on a lot in our daily life, not just for shoppers or like the end user or the end consumer but also for the people around us like i have to constantly not argue but influence individuals of a leadership position to go in the right direction so they're not walking themselves off a cliff that would come in handy you know it's funny with that 
What? We can't influence zombies, right? We can't persuade zombies to not eat our brains. No. <laughs> in this case, in CROs in real life and not in zombie apocalypse, we're running tests to influence our users and we have to politic. In the zombie apocalypse, we're not going to be persuading zombies, although we could probably influence them. And the zombies might be smarter than the average shopper, to be fair. I also think that the average person would be in such a state of distress that they are not going to be amenable to reason, to influence. True. The part that I struggle with most as an optimizer is not the research. It's not the analysis. It's not the strategy. It's getting through to people who maybe have different ideas of what success means in optimization so that's gonna be the uphill battle but in terms of the zombie apocalypse dude i'm gonna be hungry i'm gonna be cranky i'm not gonna be successfully influencing anyone and i don't even know that i should be the person to influence others because i don't know what the hell i'm doing i haven't gathered enough research yet at some point we will come into knowledge through testing through research through something and we now understand okay we this is a not an airborne disease it's a let's say it's persistent in everyone's blood but the bite unlocks the virus in a different way and so you become a zombie once you get bitten or puncture your skin in some way and then whatever what do we do from here i think the one thing that the cro's will be investing a crap ton of time in is weapons testing uh -huh. you know the equivalent of personalization in website users we will be personalizing our weapons and our outfits for everything i imagine in like video games every cro spends like three hours customizing every little bit of like their headbands, their bats, and everything. They're spending so much time figuring out the best play style for them. Mm -hmm. I feel like in the same way, we're going to like personalize our outfits to be like, all right, everything's got to be camouflage. Otherwise, we won't blend we won't blend in. You assume that I play the game and I don't just spend two hours customizing my character and then stop playing. No, I'm saying, <laughs> oh. <laughs> By the time I'm done, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm tired. Let's Let's go to bed. But in that case, right, like we're going to be spending a ton of times in weapons. Yes. So weapons, outfits, our KPI is going to be survive, right? Okay, By I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going to stop you okay. right there. We all know the best weapons come after you've played hours and hours and hours and you've defeated a lot of zombies already and you unlock the best weaponry and the best armor and the best tools. You got to iterate a bit in order to unlock those tools. It's like knowledge. It's like you have to have many losses or failures in order to know what works. Hopefully not a single one of those failures gets you turned into a zombie. It's a lot more low stakes in real life, I would say, but the weaponry that's going to work, you probably have to kill like a crazy boss zombie and then take their battle axe. It takes some work. When you kill a boss zombie in real life, it's going to be like, Oh, okay. Well, he had like $7 in this guy's wallet. It's covered in blood, so I can't use this. You know, it's funny. I think for me, one of the first things I would do is identify ways to smartly trap zombies to literally test out weapons. I have no hand-to-hand -hand combat. So what can I do to train myself to figure out how smartly protect myself? But how can I train myself in a risk-mitigated approach to try out different weapons and see what's efficient see what how do they die in a research form but how do i learn how to actually like dismember them properly if that's what kills them that's experimentation if you take your sample and you test the hell out of it yep that's experimentation that's smart i didn't even think of that although it's funny because you were talking about losses right in experimentation i know there's a lot of stuff on linkedin that like oh you learned something yeah but like the stakes are so much higher in our zombie apocalypse where it's like oh we learned something all right well that's not gonna bring Kenny back to life no <laughs> no no 
Absolutely not. So that's going to be a tough one that probably is closer to what you and I deal with a lot, which is actual test losses are more impactful and need to be avoided in many cases. I think a big theme that's coming out of this is patience. You got to have patience. You have to observe. You have to take the time to try different things in a controlled environment to learn what does work. It's not for the sake of learning. It's for the sake of picking up survival skills. And you have to have the patience to do that. So all these individuals who call a test after three or four days, I think they're going to die first because they're going to be just running into the streets, being impulsive. That is a one-way ticket to zombie death. All of the programs that I worked on with the lowest level of patience toward like learning and waiting for appropriate sample. Those are the programs that did the worst because they impatiently implemented things that don't work and put all their eggs in in that basket expecting wild wins. And it's like, that's just not how reality works. So I'd say patience is definitely a virtue in the zombie apocalypse as it is in real life. Agreed. Although the unfortunate thing is people are irrational. So while patience should be valued, it won't be. Unfor- like in many cases, it won't be. No. You will be rewarded if you take the time and you're structured and you conduct the research. You try to understand what makes zombies tick versus not. And the counterpoint is those who don't do that and they're like, I just know I have to dismember their head. They don't know what they're doing properly. Have you seen Zombieland? No. It's the one at the theme park, right? Yeah. First yeah. of all, hella rude because that's a fantastic movie. <laughs> Sure. Zombie Land you should watch because Jesse Eisenberg plays the CRO of zombie worlds because he has a bunch of rules. Always double tap the zombies. Make sure they're dead. That's like statistical significance. Check your results. Stuff like that. Like I didn't think about it until now, but Jesse Eisenberg is the person that we would be in the world creating rules. Always stretch before you like run. Check your gas. Like all this stuff. He has all these rules. We'd be the Jesse Eisenbergs and that's not necessarily a compliment. Uh-uh. It's kind of annoying as hell in the movie. But he survived. We kind of are annoying though. Like we, we kill the vibe sometimes when we're like, don't get so excited. That's not a win. Yeah, agreed. So Tracy, Shiva. we live in a world <laughs> every time. We live in a world that people test button colors. I believe these CROs will exist in the zombie world, and I believe they will still be testing colors of things. Will this happen? Will they see success? Will there be enough power for them to statistically significantly change? Or will these be the first people to die out? If I'm seeing someone concerned about color testing during a zombie apocalypse, I'm going to react in the same way as someone testing a button color, which is, why are you wasting our resources on this? Why are we doing this? Unless I have a data point that says zombies can't see a specific color, like they can't see the color red, then I'd be in luck today. Then maybe I'd be like, okay, I'm going to test out like an all red getup. But otherwise, like, what what are you doing? (laughs) That's a good data point, right? Like, what if you actually get some data that zombies through some brain mutation just can't see the color green? So when they see green, they think that's invisible. Yeah, that'd be uh, like maybe it's a floating head, but it doesn't catch their attention. So that'd be interesting. Yeah, but. It's a data point, right? Like you have to, and you have to test that. How many button color tests start with a data point though? That's an interesting segue into like prioritization frameworks, right? Like, are we going to be the assholes who are like, keep on asking people, is this a priority? Should we be testing our shirt colors? Are we going to be the assholes who like actually force a prioritization down everyone's throat? So we're actually choosing to do the right things. I think we are. And people are going to hate us for it, but I think that we'll be better off for it. 
What did Jesse Eisenberg do in Zombieland? There was no prioritization. He just had a list of like 12 or 13 rules. Mm, okay. I would say, in a way, those rules are prioritization. They're not prioritization. It's a framework, I think. Mm, this is tough because I already know I'd be dead by now. So I'm like, we're, we wouldn't even be at this point. They're not living long enough to actually build <laughs> out a rigorous prioritization framework. Man, I don't even want to do it right now in my like working life. Now I'm like... I'm almost dead. Just take me now, please. You're going to figure out some way to like <laughs> log your resources and everything in Airtable and just like. Yeah. Out. Yeah. You're going to have no electricity except for Airtable on your computer. Can you imagine? Like, what would I even do with that? Could you save the world being the only person with Airtable access? I don't know, Airtable. Do you want to sponsor <laughs> us and let us figure that out? I love it. We have to get sponsored now. I want to ask you one last exploratory question before we figure out, do we actually survive or not? Okay. What are the weapons that we choose? I think we start off with a very basic knife, kitchen knife. Some like, we have to be scrappy. We have to find something that exists. So it's going to be like, let's find a kitchen knife. If I have shears, maybe I'll grab those. If I have a shovel, I'm going to grab just generic tools that I have available to me. Baseball bat. And then I'm going to personalize and say, all right, well, I have a baseball bat. I was able to scrounge some nails at Home Depot through the mad dash of stuff. So I'm going to hit nails in it. And that's going to be a better use of equipment than not. But I still going to test it out and say, with nails, maybe it gets one kill quickly. But what if there's like seven zombies uh -huh. and it gets stuck in and I can't pull it out? That's not efficient. That It's like lifetime value kind of, right? Like a little parallels there. Maybe that's not the most efficient. You need a mix. And this is kind of like a test mix, too. In your arsenal, you can do a variety of small iterative tests, and you can go all the way to total disruption. You're going to need a different weapon for different circumstances. So those nails might actually be really effective, but up until a certain point. My immediate weapon of choice is just going to be knives and like shears. Yeah. But as we work towards resources, as we work towards understanding what works and not, I don't know if I could even answer that question because we don't know until we know what resources we have and what the results tell us, which is the most like CRO answer I could ever give in this. My favorite CRO answer is, I don't know, but we'll find out. I like that. <laughs> I mean, anytime someone asks me what works, I'm like, I don't know, but we'll find out. And that's kind of the answer here is like, you don't know what you're working with. You don't know what you're up against. You need to collect as much information as possible and not everything's going to work. Hopefully you live to tell the tale after, but good luck. And if you're me, I'm dead. <laughs> so that's a good segue into the last bit of this, which is Tracy, do we survive? No. Zombie <laughs> I'm not asking we as in both of us. I'm asking CROs as a collective. I will say the most scientific-minded person has the best chance of making it out alive. Not necessarily the person with the most brawn or the person with the best battle skills because there are going to be times when you need to outsmart people. So yeah, I'd say the best, uh, the smoothest talker and the most scientific mind would survive. You know, it's interesting. I kind of disagree. I think it's tough to make that as a blind statement. Sometimes fast is better than better mm -hmm. sometimes sorry fast is better than better sorry sometimes <laughs> well all right let me rephrase that because that was very poorly worded <laughs> as as clear evidence that words are hard for me sometimes going faster is better than going in the right direction because if you have the mindset of going as quickly as possible failing fast and then iterating it's very dependent on a lot of things 
So it's possible that the person who moves the fastest might actually make the right decision. Let's say the zombie apocalypse happens and there's no data, but this person's like, I'm just going to go out to Hawaii and just live on an island by myself. And then they just go there. And then no travel to Hawaii ever happens. That outbreak never reaches it to the island. That dude just lives for the rest of his life. That's a high risk, high reward decision. And sometimes you get rewarded with high if you make that decision early, but it's still risky. Yeah, but you're going fast in the right direction. Like Hawaii. But it's, might... you don't know it's a risk. It's, it's still true. a risk. It's so true. It's true. They made a decision on a whim that was correct. Mm-hmm. But I think there is going to have to be a balance of move fast. Also, keep a measured approach to going a little bit faster. Moving fast without any data is high risk and high reward. So sometimes you do win that lottery ticket. Sometimes if, let's say, you're at the epicenter of the zombie apocalypse and you say, fuck this, I'm out. And it's like, well, we have no data. All right, well, I'm still going to make a decision and leave. You might be rewarded for that. There will be people who make those decisions. The best case scenario is CROs are cautiously taking chances, but mitigating the risk, trapping zombies and learning and doing their research and playing around and stuff. I think that's the best approach, but understanding that we still have to be faster than like testing 200k zombies. Like we're never going to reach those sample sizes, right? Absolutely. Cool. All right. So I don't have a LinkedIn post for the week for you, Tracy. However, I have another post for you. So let's, I'm going to keep it very ominous. It's going to be a fun one. So stay tuned for the break and let's jump in. I did some research here, and I wanted to look at the top candy in the United States. What about Canada? Because who cares about Canada? I'm out. (laughs) Yeah, who cares about Canada? It's about America. Right, okay. I'm sure there's similarities. It's not like Canada has a wildly different taste in things. It's a data surveyed by candystore.com, which... Sign me up for that survey. I'll happily (laughs) accept that. Before we jump in, Tracy, what is your favorite candy? Halloween candy specifically. Favorite candy. Just favorite candy. Favorite candy is Hershey's Cookies and Cream, which I have been calling for almost three decades. D10, because I remember getting it out of the candy machine one day and the code was D10. That's what I just thought the name was. So D10 slash Hershey's Cookies and Cream. Okay. That's a solid one. It's interesting you go with that route. My all-time favorite one was like either Baby Bottle Pop or Fun Dip. Oh my gosh, baby bottle pop. Um, First of all, we're dating ourselves here. Oh my gosh, I have a little bit of trauma with uh, baby bottle pop. I used to just have the powder and I loved the most sour uh, green apple one. And uh, I would just chug the powder and then all the skin off my tongue would burn off. Let me ask you, was it worth it? Yes. Yes, I I concur. (laughs) Both of them were just sugar dipped in sugar, which is fantastic. So you can't go wrong. Yes. So Tracy, I'm going to ask you a series of questions here because I have some data based on candystore.com surveys. Yep. What is the top sellingest Halloween candy in the United States by pounds of candy sold? Do chips count? No, because that's not candy. Do raisins count? If you're giving out raisins for Halloween, (laughs) you are the worst person in the world and you deserve to be egged. That's the first person who gets killed in the zombie apocalypse. Yes, whoever gives Um. out raisins. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I've got some data here. Um, I still have no clue, but I'm going to take some shots in the dark. Candy corn. That is what you're saying is the top sellingest candy in the United States. I would say it it ranks in the top 10. Okay, that is correct. Okay. What? uh, Give me another guess for your top sellingest candy. Uh, Licorice. So it's interesting. Licorice is not on there. Mm. It's a lot of generic ones. So Reese's Cups is the top sellingest by pounds. 
Oh my gosh, I love Reese's. Okay, okay. I don't know if they do this in the States, but in Canada, they sell these like value packs that are, uh, they have Coffee Crisp, Kit Kat, Twix, and I forget what the other one is. Those got to be on the list. I've never heard of Coffee Crisp, so that's... That must be Canadian. 100%. Top five by pounds of candy sold is Reese's, Cups, Skittles, M&M, Starburst, Hot Tamales. Mm, Okay, these are well-deserved. Starburst, I'm going to have an opinion here. I don't know if it's a popular one or unpopular one, but the best Starburst are the pink ones, the strawberry. I think it's strawberry and just just those. We have an exotic food or candy store across the street and they just sell the pink ones in their own pack. This jelly beans kind of does the same thing. You could just buy individual flavors. I like the pound. Did jelly beans rank on the list? No, it didn't. Okay. Candy corn ranked 10 on this list. I want you to keep that in the back of your mind. Okay. Okay. All right, 10 best Halloween candies as voted by the best. What do you think is on that list? Raisin. No, it's not on there. I'm not miles as, away from it. As voted. I mean, the only right answer is Reese's. Reese's is the top. Okay, this makes sense, though. I see a correlation here. Obviously, pe- it's, people are going to buy stuff that people will eat. So Reese's, M&M's, Skittles, Snickers, Sour Patch Kids are in the top five. I think that's a testament to how good Reese's actually are. The fact that a big portion of the population can't actually eat them or they'll die. And it still ranks as number one. That's something I would take a chance in in a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I'd be dead already, though, so it doesn't really matter. All right. So this is the controversial one. Ten worst Halloween candies. Raisins. (laughs) Um, That's not candy. But then why do I keep getting it when I go trick-or-treating? I mean, I am not a 29-year-old without a child doing trick-or-treating. Maybe you should take the hint. If people are giving you raisins, (laughs) they're like, bitch, take the hint. (laughs) I'm too old to be doing this. Okay, so the worst, the worst. Um, Oh, my gosh. Well, is licorice on the list of the worst? Black licorice is 10th on the list. That's deserved. That is definitely deserved. I get disappointed when I get bubble gum personally okay is that on the list i would argue gum isn't a candy but you could convince me otherwise um what about um big turks i've never heard of that before okay maybe that's a canadian thing that's not on here it's like a jelly filled chocolate it's disgusting i told you on the 10th for america's top halloween candies is candy corn in terms of volume, it's number one as voted for the worst Halloween candy. <laughs> That's so sad because it's my favorite. Well, I mean, cookies and cream is my favorite. I don't get the hate. Like, I recognize that it's not a taste for everyone, but it's a testament to the fact that it's so polarizing of a candy for sure. It tastes like butter. It's so good. I hate this. I'm really mad at this list. Cool. Well, all right. I know that was a little bit of a different take for an episode where we kind of go deeply into do Sir CRO survive the zombie apocalypse. I do think that we do, although I think Tracy may be the first one to die and that's totally fair. Yeah. But I do think as a whole, we do survive. Yeah. Sorry, I can't comment. I'm dead. Anyway, appreciate y'all taking a listen to this episode. If you guys like this style of episode, I know it's kind of out of left field, but let us know. We had definitely some fun kind of trying this format out. If you guys like this episode, please give us a like, subscribe, follow, do all the social things. We really appreciate y'all. And yeah, have a happy spooky season and we'll get back to y'all until next time. See ya.